Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Wednesday, March the 2nd, 2022. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here representing DFS Coach Talk to go over a really solid eight-game NBA main slate for this evening's card. If you'd like to check us out, go to dfscoachtalk.com. Uh, you can see all of our information on our website. We're also at DFS Coach Talk on Twitter. If you're watching right now on uh, YouTube, please take a second, hit that thumbs up and that subscribe button. That really means a lot to us as we try to uh, climb that algorithm there at YouTube. On Twitter, uh, that when we post, we really appreciate it if you would like and retweet that uh, with the podcast as well. So all much appreciated. We bring you this uh, NBA podcast in front of the paywall seven days a week. So uh, just a couple of clicks and uh, we'll really appreciate that. All right, we're going to dive in today. No messing around. We have a really solid eight game schedule. It spreads out throughout the night. So we'll have basketball wire to wire. First game starts at seven Eastern, the last game at 10 Eastern. So a very nice uh, evening of games uh, on the on the docket tonight. So Let's start right out with game number one and get after this. It is at 7 p.m. as stated. It's the Indiana Pacers and Orlando Magic. Indiana's favored by one. It's a 232 total, so excellent total close game right off the bat. And the two implied totals, when we get both of them over 115, that really screams of have exposure to this game to me. It's a 116 and a half implied for Indiana. 115 and a half for the Orlando Magic. So really good stuff there. As far as uh, the game set, Indiana's 21 and 42, Orlando's 15 and 47. As far as injuries in this game, you have two rotational players for Indiana that we need the news on. That's Chris Duarte and Lance Stevenson. So let's keep an eye on that. We'll have it before lock and should be good to go there. McConnell, Turner, and Warren remain out for Indiana. For Orlando, uh, we have Cole Anthony as probable. So I've got him projected in at this point. And of course, Isaac and Mo Wagner out, uh, Franz Wagner in. So a couple of things here in this game uh, as far as the pace goes. Indiana is 22nd. Orlando is 13th. So nothing to write home about there. But both teams are terrible defensively, 27th for Indiana and 24th for Orlando. So it does help that the fact that it's a one-point spread and that 232 total with poor defense on both sides. Malcolm Brogdon, square in play for me. Uh, I've seen enough now with his couple of games when he's come back. He looks terrific to me. And at 7-1, I think we might want to grab him while the price is still low. He's looking solid. Halliburton, it's going to take a while for his price to drift down a bit, but at 8-8, a little much for me now that Brogdon is back. Buddy Hield at 7-3 is also leaked up into that mid-level pricing, but he is getting big minutes and obviously uh, fitting in well with the Pacers, so you can consider him. The two bigs, uh, really three bigs that you could look at here and all have the potential of making a lineup for me O'Shea Brissett at 6-1, Isaiah Jackson at 5-4, and Jalen Smith at 5-3. 
Smith started the last game, so we'll see if that happens here. Uh, but all three of those guys have shown the ability <clears throat> to go 7-8-X. So definitely want uh, probably at least two guys uh, from the Indiana side. I pretty much uh, limit myself to two per team when you have 16 teams playing and some big lines, big totals here. Uh, so uh, more than likely going to have to make a decision there on a few guys, but definitely some quality uh, prices and, and uh, roster uh, opportunities here for Indiana. All right, for Orlando, Cole Anthony at 6'9", uh, and Suggs at 5'6". Not bad pricing, but my concern is you have the return of Markel Fultz at 4'7". Uh, he came back the last game and got some minutes. RJ Hampton, who had been out, has been back a few games now. He's 3'4". And Gary Harris at 3'6". So to me, that backcourt is too crowded, and I'm going to steer away from it. Uh, and I, I do think Suggs is sitting on a, a breakout game at some point, but not willing to risk uh, with all those guards in that rotation. Uh, the bigs there, a little bit more uh, conducive to what I'm looking for. Franz Wagner is 5'9". Carter 7'7". Seven, seven. I think those two guys uh, both could be targets. Mo Bamba just way too risky. Maybe GPP play at that 4'9 number. But definite, expo definite exposure to both sides, and I do really like this game. Second game, also 7 o'clock. There's just two early 7 o'clock games. It's the Charlotte Hornets and Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland's favored by three. It's only a 218.5 total, 107.75 for Charlotte implied, 110.75 for uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Charlotte comes in 30 and 33. Cleveland comes in 36 and 25. Uh, you've got a couple of guys doubtful. That's Jalen McDaniels and Nick Richards. Two guys out, Booknight and Hayward. For Cleveland, and super important information, we will have it before lock, and that's Darius Garland. He is questionable. He's missed the last, I believe, three games and uh, could make his return here. And I think if he does come back, I'm not sure they'd have him on a minute's limit. They're probably not going to let him play until he's completely good to go. But we will follow that because it will affect this game immensely. Levert and Rondo remain out for this team, by the way. So as far as statistically speaking in this game, you've got um, Charlotte as the third fastest team in the league. So that brings some interest. But Cleveland, 28. So huge pace up game for Cleveland, vice versa for Charlotte. That's something we need to weigh out. Charlotte's defense, not strong at 21st. Cleveland's is strong at fourth. So definitely not the best spot for the Charlotte guys that we uh, have a tendency to gravitate to a lot. Uh, there are some plays you can look at. Uh, Ball's uh, real fair, 8-5. Uh, which I think, you know, is definitely doable on a slate like this. Rogier 7-9, Miles Bridges a 7-6 number, so you can look at some potential there. Um, P.J. Washington in 5-2 has had some strong games lately since he's been starting. Ubre off the bench at 5-4, always an option, as, as just the same with Montrez Harrell, who's up to 5-8 now, but is getting closing minutes uh, over Plumley. So, Definitely some considerations here. Certainly not stacking a one-off probably is the way that I'd go uh, with Charlotte. 
On the Cleveland side, it all has to do with Darius Garland. If he's in with no limits at 7-7, I love him because it's huge pace up, bad defense, uh, you know, and 7-7 is pretty cheap. So uh, if he's in, no restrictions, he's going to be a staple. Uh, if uh, if not, then it shuffles the deck. Then you look at, you know, a couple of the options, uh, Lori Barkin at 6-2, the two bigs that are very fairly priced, they keep flip-flopping and pricing one a little bit more than the other, but Mobley 7-2 and Jared Allen 7-4. So you get very fair numbers on both of them. If Garland's out, it's hard not to go back to Brandon Goodwin. He is up to 6K, which isn't very pleasant, but he's been terrific in Garland's absence. Uh, so we just need to see what that is. Kevin Love, you know, if you catch him on a hot shooting night, he's only 5-5. So, uh, you know, certainly a potential play there. I do see that he's gotten squeezed out of a few minutes, though, with Markin and Mobley and Allen with Markin and back basically in that front line going. So a little bit tougher to get to there. Uh, let's get that Garland news before we make any concrete decisions. All right. The third game is at 730. It's the New York Knicks and Philadelphia 76ers. Philly double digit favorite here, 10 and a half. So definitely a concern. 225 is the total, 107.25 for the Knicks and you have 117.75 uh, for Philly. So even though, you know, you got two slower teams here, not a bad implied total there at all. Uh, Knicks come in 25 and 36, Philly's 37 and 23. Uh, for the Knicks, you've got doubtful tag on Nerland's Noel, which gives Mitch Robb a little uh, boost there. Uh, Grimes and D-Rose are still out. No injuries for Philly. Uh, no designations at all. So how about that? Um, as far as pace goes, like I said, it's awful. 25th and 26th. So the fact that it's a 225 total with those two low uh, numbers tells you what Vegas thinks of James Harden and his new presence in Philadelphia. So, you know, expect those numbers to rise and the pace to go up, et cetera. Defensively, also not a game you want to run to. Knicks are 12th, very respectable. Philly in the top 10 at 9th. So not a super targetable game. I understand the dynamic now. Everybody's going crazy with Harden and Embiid with the first couple of games where they're both, uh, they've been fantastic. So, you know, that's going to be the question here. Uh, how much do you weigh that? Are the Knicks going to slow it down enough that, you want to go elsewhere. It's, it is a tough call here because it really manages the entire slate for you. So for Philly, Harden's 11-2 and Embiid 11-6. So to have two guys over 11 uh, on the same squad that, against a team that's slow and defends pretty well, I don't know, man. I, I really have a feeling as of now, I would fade both of them. And I hate to say that because they're just going nuts. But I just don't like the pricing under the circumstances here. So, you know, if you want to go second level pricing there, I think Maxi at 6'6 and Tobias Harris at 7K, they have really been the beneficiaries price wise, uh, you know, with Harden uh, coming to town. So they're both very capable on any given night, Maxi and Harris, of having a huge performance. So I, I prefer more to go to mid level there. 
It's risky, uh, no doubt. Their usage, everything else is going down since Harden's come to town, but they're still very capable. And if the game stays close, which it may not, it's 10 and a half over uh, total, so or not total, 10 and a half spread. Uh, so, you know, there's question marks here uh, for sure. And the big decision is, you know, do you pass on the two, you know, the two big fellas there in Harden and Embiid or look at some mid-level guys? For the Knicks, it's pretty much impossible to determine what's going to happen there. Alec Burks has been awful. Fournier, you never know what you're going to get unless he's hitting threes. You're sort of dead there. R.J. Barrett's been the best guy, but he's going to get Matisse Thibel defense. So that really is a hard one to figure. Uh, Julius Randle, 9-4 against that stifling defense of Philly in the paint. A little bit of a concern there. Like I said, with the fact that Noel's probably not going to play, Mitch Robb at 5-2 isn't a bad play. But again, I, I totally respect the interior defense with Embiid. So this is not my favorite game. I know that I am going to be behind, be behind in the standings for fading <clears throat> a good portion of this game, but I am willing to use my salary in some of the further games because there's some great matchups. All right, let's move on to a, a trio of 8 o'clock games. The first one being Sacramento and New Orleans. Now, that sounds pretty good. New Orleans is favored by six, a nice big 235.5 total, 114.75 implied for Sacramento, a big 120.75 uh, for the Pels. Sacramento comes in 23 and 40, the Pels 25 and 36. Rashawn Holmes is questionable this game for Sacramento. Terrence Davis out. The two guys out for the Pelicans, Nance and our brother Cheeseburgers Williamson. And as far as this game goes, it's very interesting here. You've got Sacramento on the first night of a back-to-back. -back. So most of the teams, there's very few back-to-backs here. Only one. Houston's on a second night. We'll talk about them shortly. Miami's also on the first night. Those are the only three that are playing back-to-back -back games. But Sacramento on the first night of a back-to-back -back here, uh, island game for the Pelicans. Sacramento's eighth in pace, Pelicans 21st, and two poor defense. Sacramento, the second-worst defensive team in the entire league, and Pelicans a disappointing 22nd. But they are really playing well, much better and scoring the ball much better since C.J. McCollum arrived. He's had a massive impact on that team. So looking at the Sacramento side, it comes down to what I talk about every day. It's the De'Aaron Fox 8-1, Demonis Sabonis 9-8. Those are the two key guys that are really have the keys to this team. They, they both can run the floor. Uh, Sabonis can score from a lot of different places. Plus, he's a tremendous passer uh, as uh, also. And Fox, you know, since Halliburton left, has really had some good games. Now, 8-1 is not a giveaway, that's for sure. And Sabonis almost at 10K, that's a hard price too. But I do like exposure to one or the other here, leaning more towards Sabonis at the moment. But uh, I think that you know having one of them in a high total game like this is really important. The cheap guys that you could get to, I'm not even going to waste time on them because I just think they're too risky. Holiday, Barnes, Lyles, Lamb, Mitchell, DiVincenzo. Jones, Holmes, who's questionable, 
you know, it's just, it's not pretty. So it's, it's really, as it comes down to most games, you could look at the Fox and or Sabonis scenario and just not risk the risk. Again, I'm looking at cash, single entry GPP builds more so than anything else. So that's, uh, that's why I take such a good stance, stiff stance there. Pelicans, you know, CJ's up to 9K, but he has earned it. He is playing an all-around really good game and is in consideration here for me. I mean, it's uh, a great pace-up game for them, and CJ deserves to start getting some ownership, even at a pretty high tag. The guy that's been a little more inconsistent since CJ came to town because he's playing more of a role rather than really the only scorer on the floor, and that's Brandon Ingram. He has dipped below 8K, though. He's 7'9", so he can come back into the conversation now. Uh, Jonas at 8K, tough matchup against Sabonis. I fear a little bit of foul trouble there, so I'm not looking to go to that direction. Jackson Hayes at 4'9". If he gets enough minutes since he's been starting, he has been producing, and his price has not really gone up. So to still get a sub 5K Hayes with, you know, his starting role is uh, decent. Uh, if you need desperate value, Herb Jones, even though he's the fifth option now, he does get minutes because of his defensive prowess and can be at least looked at. Not interested in anybody at all, though, off that Pelicans bench. All right, the second 8 o'clock game on the slate. Utah Jazz, Houston Rockets. This is a big number here. Utah 13 and a half. It's a 229 and a half total, 121 and a half for Utah, 108 for Houston. So probably the biggest blowout potential uh, on the board, either this one or the Thunder Nuggets game. Um, but yeah, this, this one concerns me as far as that front goes. Again, it's also a second night of a back-to-back for Houston. Uh, they're the only team with that designation on the entire slate. Um, Utah comes in 38 and 22. Houston's 15 and 46. We have uh, Mr. Butler, who's been out for quite some time. Jared Butler for Utah he remains out. The big news here is Kevin Porter Jr. He missed last night. Probably going to play tonight. I'm thinking he's listed as questionable, but I think he rolls it out there tonight. But we'll follow that closely. Uh, my man Garuba and John Wall uh, also out for Houston. So, you know, obviously we need that news on uh, KPJ to really hone in on how we want to build this lineup up. But Houston is, uh, I'm sorry, Utah is in the middle of the pack, 16th in pace. Houston the fastest. Houston, our lovable Rockets are wonderful for DFS because they're the fastest pace team and they're dead last in defense at 30th. So, you know, the only thing is in a game like this, you've got Utah, the 10th best defense, and just mid-level uh, pace, plus they're a big favorite. But it is at Houston, so hopefully they can keep it close enough to make the game. Uh, if they do, there's a lot of opportunity here. You know, you've got Donovan Mitchell at 8-8, which is probably the safest play at a fair price. Uh, Bogdanovich, 5-6 if you want to buy down. Rudy Gobert's down to 7-8. There were he was over nine for quite a while this year, so his price has decreased, and uh, you know a little bit of an undersized Houston uh, front line. So some interest there. Uh, really, a couple of bench guys. You know, the question is how close does this game stay? 
I think Mitchell's the play, though. Uh, I do like him a lot here. Rather than to try to find a, a miracle game from a, an O'Neal or, you know, even Connolly sort of falls into that, uh, you know, spot now and Clarkson as well. They're not, they're winning games and they're a good team, but they're doing it really as a unit, not, you know, strong DFS plays, uh, you know, out of this world. But Mitchell's the one that has the potential to do that. On the Rockets side, if Porter Jr.'s back, if without limits, you know, he's potential play here. Jalen Green, 5-5, cheap. He's been playing better. And of course, Dennis Schroeder, he was chalk city last night. Uh, because starting uh, in the starting lineup there didn't quite perform as well as uh, we thought he would, but he's 5'8", which is still fair. So, you know, we, we'll see those three guards. If KBJ sits, I think both, you know, really, uh, Schroeder and Green can be discussed here. Garrison Matthews is super cheap at 3'4". He's been thrust into that starting lineup as of late. Can be a, a last man in to make salary work. Christian Wood had a, a solid enough game yesterday. He's 8K, but he faces the interior defense of Rudy Gobert. So not my favorite payup spot. Uh, Jean Goon's also getting more minutes and contributing, and he's only 4-1. But splitting with Wood uh, a lot, not really being second fiddle to Wood, but he's still you know cutting into those minutes. But having to face Gobert in that tough defense – you know, the, the one thing I will say, if it does start to blow out, you're going to see Jangoon get good runs. So he is a, a flyer that is going to definitely be on my GPP lineups, but I'm considering as a sneak in possibility uh, could really be a difference maker at lower ownership, uh, even on the single entries. All right. The uh, last eight o'clock game is the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. My uh, Milwaukee's favored by four and a half. It's a 226 and a half total. Uh, Miami, 111 implied, and Milwaukee, 115 and a half. So this is going to be a really fun game to watch. I don't know if it's going to be the best DFS game, but man, is this a nice game. One, uh, one note here, it is the first night of a back-to-back for Miami, and is usually pretty... Uh, aware of that, and it can affect their rotations and minutes. So uh, something to be aware of. Miami comes in 41 and 21, Milwaukee 37 and 25. Uh, Caleb Martin for Miami is questionable. Lowry's out again, so that's important. Morris and Oladipo still remain out as well. For Milwaukee, three guys out, Connington, Hill, and Lopez. So what do we have here? This is going to be so interesting. Miami is now the slowest team in the league. So they are 30th. Milwaukee is 10th. So pace up for Miami. Of course, every game is a pace up for them, but a pretty significant one and a pretty significant pace down for the Bucks. As far as defense, you've got Miami sixth in the league, very solid. Uh, Milwaukee's drifting a little bit down. They're 13th right now but uh, decent enough. So what do we have here? You know, if, if uh, with Lowry sitting, I should say, we've got Gabe Vincent at 4-2 and Tyler Hero at 6-5. They'll take most of the responsibility at point guard. Uh, obviously their price indicates their value to the team. Both teams though, 
with Lowry out, have the potential to get there. But you are facing Drew Holiday defense on the other side uh, of the court. Um, as far as Jimmy Butler, 9-2 against Chris Middleton at 7-8. I see a little bit of tough matchup there for both of them. Don't know if that's the best spot to go. Then you've got Bam at 8-7, who's been terrific lately, but he gets the double dip in the pain of Giannis and Portis. So that's no cup of tea either. So even though it's a 226.5 total and it's a pretty low number, it's hard to really designate where you get the big advantage here. I'm I'm thinking as of right now, Tyler Hero, just because he's going to miss a little bit of that Drew Holiday defense by coming off the bench. Uh, not a ton of it, but enough. And at 6'5", you know, he's going to get up shots. There's no question about it. And Milwaukee's notorious for allowing a lot of threes. So I think, obviously, Hero's the guy to take best advantage of that. So he's my favorite play on the Miami side. On the Milwaukee side, I think you have some good opportunities here. I mean, it's no piece of cake, you know, with, with Butler, Tucker, and Adebayo in the side against Middleton, Giannis, and Portis. I mean, those are six guys that can defend, top-notch defenders. So, you know, not my favorite place to go. I sort of like Drew Holiday the best on that side of the ball. I think he can take advantage of Vincent, Hero, Robinson, Caleb Martin, whoever's going to be defending him. Uh, I think he has a distinct advantage. And with that interior defense of uh, Miami, uh, I think he's the standout guy. So as many great players, as good as this total is, for me, you know, it's looking more like a hero holiday uh, and move on down the road. So that's as as much as I can state there. Uh, but I certainly would understand if people had more ownership in this game. All right. We go to the uh, there's one nine and one ten o'clock game. The nine o'clock game is the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Denver Nuggets. This is the other game. Uh, well, there's three games with a 13 and a half point spread. How weird is that? Uh, Utah's favored over Houston by 13 and a half in this game. Denver's favored by 13 and a half over Oklahoma City. And Phoenix is favored by 13 and a half over Portland. So, you know, they say don't get overwhelmed with game scripting out blowouts and letting it affect uh, a huge amount of your roster build. I always have a tendency to sort of disagree with that. And I know people always, you know, they'll tweet me and say, hey, coach, you thought this was going to you know, blow out and the other team won straight up. It does happen, but it also happens a lot where the teams do blow them out. You know, it goes both ways. I get it. But if you game script out a blowout and you think guys are going to lose minutes, you know, that five minute stretch of time or something that you're, that your guy sits, you're, you're in deep trouble. So, uh, you know, this is the game that I'm, I'm sort of concerned about. And the Thunder have been very, uh, you know, aggravating defensively they've stuck in a lot of games they've played with a lot of grit but at Denver in the altitude the youngsters I'm not sure I think Denver just is so should manhandle these guys their interior defense is pathetic you know Pokashevsky Baisley Roby uh, favors I, I mean it's how do you stop anybody uh you know Joker Gordon those guys should have a field day so anyway, this is the game I'm a little afraid of. And that's why I say, yes, Joker's the best pay up play on the option at 12, you know, option at 12-4. But it's a huge price. It's a game that could blow out. And that concerns me. So I am on the fence with the Joker. 
I'm not going to say right now that he would be my number one buy-up guy. I think that, you know, Giannis isn't in the best situation ever either. So, you know, is there a world where you can have a, a, an optimal lineup without Giannis and the Joker? I mean, it's, it's scary and it's difficult to determine if that's possible because, you know, I assume Joker is going to be the highest score on the slate. But if it means that you have to build your salary at, at, you know, dumpster dive on a few guys, unless a little bit more value opens up, you have to consider, you know, whether you want Joker in there or not. But if somehow Oklahoma City keeps it close enough and the Joker plays a full allotment, and it's an island game for both teams, by the way, then, you know, Joker could be 10, 15 points higher than anybody else on the slate, DFS-wise. So something to consider. and you know, hopefully a, a little bit of uh, news will break with some some additional value where we can get the Joker in there. I do like the Joker over Giannis today just because of the team defense of Miami compared to the team defense of the Thunder, plus the possibility of Denver blowing out and not getting run in the fourth quarter for the, for, uh, the Joker. That's the determinant factor that's scary there. However, I, it doesn't trump over the Heat's defense, pr defensive prowess for me. But the point is, neither one of the situations is perfect. Uh, and usually, if you're going to pay 12-4 or 12-2, the price of those two guys, you want a perfect situation. So a lot of, a lot of decisions still to be made. All right, Oklahoma City and Denver. I totally lost track of where I was. But I, I will say Denver's 13 and a half. 106.25 implied for the Thunder, 119.75 uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Thunder come in 19 and 44, Denver 36 and 25. A million guys out for the Thunder. That's the other thing that's concerning. No Dort or Giddy, which really hurts. Also out, Jerome Muscala, JRE, Wiggins, and Kenrich Williams. First of all, I think that's a bunch of crap because there's no way all those guys are hurt. The Thunder want to get the first pick. They want to rest guys. They want to, you talk about tanking. That's that's a concern there uh, with the Thunder. What it does do is help, it helps us DFS-wise, let's face it. It puts SGA and Trey, especially those two guys, Trey Mann and definitely SGA, in, you know, fantastic situations because they have to score. Anyway, I'm off track. I'm getting crazy with this game. Uh, Zeke Naji is questionable for Denver, which would affect that rotation a little bit inside. Cantor, Murray, and Porter remain out. So looking deep, more a little more deep at this game, we've got uh, the Thunder 19th in pace, Denver 20th, so that doesn't excite me. You do have two uh, defenses that are reasonable, 11 Oklahoma and 15 Denver, so not bad uh, defensively. So where do we go from here? SGA's 10K, he could be the best play on the slate. He really could be. A 10K is a lot, but I just don't see how in any stretch that they stay close in a 226 total if SGA isn't going off. The second option to me, if you want to go on the cheap there, or maybe both, Trey Mann's only 5'6 and has had some really strong games as well. After that, I mean, they have a super short bench. So you can take shots here. It's just terrifying because Pokashevsky's 4-1, Baisley's 5-9, Roby's 4-4. Four, four. 
those are really the three guys that I would consider the most value-wise, but don't feel strong enough to push the button on any of them. Uh, Favors is a dead man 3K. Uh, Olivier Saar has been playing at a dead man 3K. Uh, Vit Krejcik 3K. Teo Maldon 3-2. They are pathetic, but too risky for cash, single entry for a lot of these guys, other than SGA and man for me. Those are the two I'd consider. Now, if you want to take shots on any of those bigs with the Thunder uh, and, and GPPs, I would say, you know, go for it. But I don't feel great about it. They are really undermanned. Uh, Monte Morris, 5-1, no interest there. Just two. I know he had a great game the other day, but he, Rivers, Highland, Forbes, you know, just a little too much sharing. Barton gets a little bit of a grade up for me at 5-7. Aaron Gordon at 6K, I think, is a terrific play, too. He's, you know, less than half the price of, of the Joker, which he should be. But, you know, he's if you're not going to go Joker there, I think Gordon's a good pivot, and it saves you just 6400 that's all. But, you know, I don't know if I want both because that puts you, you know, really at odds if the game uh, starts to get out of hand. So tough game. This was the toughest game for me to determine on the entire slate. And I still haven't made up my, my final uh, decision, but I think it is very, very pivotal. All right, last game, 10 o'clock, late night sweat hammer game, whatever you want to call it. Portland Trailblazers, Phoenix Suns. Phoenix favored by that wild card number, minus 13 and a half. 228 total, 107.25 for the Trailblazers, 120.75 for Portland, a big healthy 120 uh, number for the Phoenix Suns, I, I meant to say. Um, Portland comes in 25 and 36, Phoenix 49 and 12. Bunch of guys out for Portland, Bledsoe, Lillard, Luzada, my buddy Luzada, he gets the mention every day, Nurkic and Winslow. That one hurts, Winslow, that really hurts their depth too. Um, for Phoenix, Cameron Payne is probable, and we've been waiting for that. We've been waiting for the return of Payne with Chris Paul out. Kaminsky, Paul, and Sarge are out. What I need, though, is more news. If Payne is on uh, no limit at all, then he's a great play. I, I'm very excited to get him in there because he can run that team and blow up his numbers pretty easily. So let's look at a couple of things here. Statistically speaking, 15th in pace for Portland, 6th for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Portland's the third worst defense in the league. Phoenix is third in the league. So opposite ends there. How does that affect this game? Well, in lots of ways. You've got a couple of things. If campaign starts, no restrictions at 4-3. I think he's my favorite value on the slate. Booker's been fantastic uh, since Paul's gone out. He's 9-7, uh, but I think takes a little bit of a step back uh, just in the fact that... Uh, you know, Payne would be back. But Booker's still an outstanding play if you think this game stays close enough. Mikhail Bridges, fair at six. Crowder at 5-1. eight at 6-8. Cam Johnson at 5-3. I think all those guys uh, are rosterable here, and you can definitely consider them. On the Portland side, it just it gets ugly fast. Simons at 8-2, certainly a fine option. Uh after that, though, Josh Hart at 7-6 makes perfect sense. He will get some tough D from Bridges and or Crowder, but uh, he's been steady. 
Eubanks, I know at center at four, three, probably going to split some with Watford and Greg Brown, who knows, you know, that's a real uh, difficult situation, but if you're going to, you know, punt center, Eubanks might be your option. Um, after that, it's just, it's extremely difficult to figure out uh, and hard to count on for any cash games. Keon Johnson at 3-1, CJL be 4-1, Watford 3-9, Ben Mack 3-5. You know, it, it's just a mess. They are horrific. So, you know, this is the other game that can blow out pretty easily and scares me a little bit because Phoenix is not shy to go to their bench. It is an island game, but they have, listen to this bench, Cam Johnson, Aaron Holiday, Landry Shamit, Torrey Craig, JaVale McGee, you know, and then Bismack Biombo, who hasn't can't even see the court after uh, having those great games a little while back. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it is risky. It's not my favorite spot, but I think having, you know, one off on each side makes perfect sense uh, if you want to go that direction. All right, my friends, that is it. We busted through all eight games. Hopefully this prepares you to get your contest set. We'd love to have you join us at DFS Coach Talk. Uh, just go to dfscoachtalk.com. You can sign up there. If you want more info, go uh, check us out on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk. If you want to uh, DM me or check uh, check me on uh, Twitter, I'm at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. Would love to uh, converse with you there. We answer everything. We get to it. We try to get to it as quickly as we can, uh, but we'd love to communicate uh, with our audience and with our members. So feel free to dial us up. Uh, really enjoyed it today. I think this is a really nice slate, very solid options across the board. And as we know, there'll they'll be news throughout the day. So uh, jump in with us and jump in our Discord and you can follow the news there. Uh, we'll get some lineups posted. We do give out uh, DraftKings uh, Coaches Clipboard, which is a five-person core group, and then several other options to fill out your lineup. And we do give out full uh, both cash-slash-hybrid lineup and GPP lineup on FanDuel and on Yahoo. And we've added prize picks to the mix. So Crash Davis and myself will be putting up our prize picks plays uh, of the day each day. So also, if you want to, uh, I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, which is Prize Picks. Uh, go to prizepick.prizepicks.com with the S. Uh, sign up with the promo code if it's your first time depositing. The promo code Coach Talk, all one word, and you get all the way up to a hundred dollar match uh, on that first deposit. So take advantage of that and definitely uh, enjoy Prize Picks. It is a cool. Uh, different aspect of you know DFS slash prop betting. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So I highly recommend it. And also our other sponsor, BetUS.com.pa, a great uh, offshore sports book. If you're looking for that action, I've been there for 16 years. They're outstanding, great payouts, etc. Um, also, if you're going to sign up there, we have a great thing going with BetUS. If you sign up and deposit 149 or more at uh, betus.com and you use the promo code coach talk same as is the prize picks promo code you get two free months of dfs coach talk 
that's $150 value in itself. So uh, again, if you want to go that route, just shoot us a, a message that you've deposited with BetUS and we will get you into our Discord for the free two months. That is it, my friends. I saved the stuff until the end, so hopefully everybody tuned in uh, to the finish. I appreciate all of you. I'm excited for this stretch of games uh, tomorrow. Again, a seven-game slate. I'll be attacking. Be back here for that one. And then Friday and Saturday, our uh, podcast with Crash Davis. And Saturday, the NBA Live with Gundacker at 3 p.m. Eastern. So, Fun week, lots of NBA, great games. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. We have hope you absolutely crush it in NBA DFS. See you tomorrow.